Well, welcome to the latest edition of the ASA podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. I apologize for not having this out to you last week, but I managed to go through an entire year without catching any kind of cold or COVID or anything else until, of course, I'm around my family for five days and I end up getting a sinus infection. So proof positive that relatives are indeed dangerous and should be avoided at all costs. So anyway, I'm a little bit late, but here you go. It's the podcast that should have been last week, but is now this week. And I've got a question from a member, which is always more fun to deal with and trying to make this stuff up on my own, having to do with labor shortages. And there were basically four parts to this. Number one, is there any estimate as to how many people are working at Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Amazon, independent contractor, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, how many people are in that so-called gig economy? To be honest, we don't really know. Um, this is really hard to report because people kind of come in and out of this at their leisure. And frequently, there are people who are already working a full-time job of some kind or a part-time job of some kind formally. They just do this in addition. We've all seen this. Um, one of the most common recruiting areas for Uber and Lyft for a long time were firemen because uh, they always have side gigs to occupy themselves in between shifts. So we don't really know. We know that it has grown pretty dramatically in the last several years just because the technology has allowed that kind of independent contractor behavior. The estimate is that there's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of six to seven million people doing gig work. Um, how many of them are relying on it exclusively? We don't have any idea. So that's going to be one of those things that we'll try to study as the years go forward. Next part of that question, will this group be disrupted by a recession? It's possible, but it's also possible that it would expand it because as people lose those part-time jobs or are laid off from their full-time jobs, the very first thing they might choose is that gig economy job because it's not going to require a whole lot of searching. It's not an interview process. It's like, hey, I'm now driving for Uber. I'm now driving for DoorDash. I'm now doing contract work. That can be done almost instantly. So the assumption is, is that a recession would actually increase the number of people doing gig work. We certainly saw that in 2020. People who were losing their jobs because of the pandemic were turning to that kind of gig work tough as it was back then because Uber was down and Lyft was down, but DoorDash exploded and all of a sudden every kind of delivery process imaginable was heightened and people went into those sectors really quickly. Number three part of the question, how do we get back to selling prospective employees on health insurance, retirement plans, training? Really good question because that has always been the draw is that you're turning to people and telling them that, look, you can make money on a short-term basis, but see how vulnerable you are. I mean, if for some reason you can't work, your income stops instantly. I mean, if you can't drive for Lyft or Uber or DoorDash or if something happens and you get injured, whatever, you're out of luck. And if you're working for an employer, well, you've got health insurance, potentially. You've got retirement plans, potentially. You can get training. You can elevate yourself. 
it is kind of amazing that this has not been appealing to people. And it's really generational. Boomers, of course, are still very, very tied into this. I mean, they always have been. Gen Xers as well. Not quite to the same extent as boomers, but still a major motivator. Where it really falls off is millennials and then especially Gen Z. And that's partly youth. I mean, you talk to somebody in their 20s, gee, are you thinking about health insurance? Oh, no, man, I'm indestructible. How about retirement? Oh, man, I'm never going to be that old. Well, without health insurance, you probably never will be that old. But that's a whole other story. It's very hard to get across to the young person that, that they should be thinking about it. One of the issues that's affected millennials is that they were the ones that lived through what happened to their parents in the 2008 Great Recession. They saw a lot of their moms and dads get laid off in their 50s after committing their life to a particular employer, and so the millennial now is deeply distrustful of these promises that will take care of you, that you're going to be with this company long enough to benefit from health insurance and retirement and training. They're very distrustful, and you've seen this manifested in a lot of different ways. They don't respond to long-term commitments. They are not particularly loyal because they don't expect loyalty in return. They saw what happened to their loyal parents who got screwed over in their 50s and were suddenly, now what do I do? I've worked for the same company for 40 years and I've been cut loose. So it's going to be a fairly hard sell. Uh, and the more that is being handled publicly, health insurance that can transfer from employer to employer, health insurance that's provided by government agencies, more retirement type of things that are related to government help, the less appealing it comes from a company. So it's it's going to be tricky, and it's not going to be something easily solved. And then finally, the fourth part of this, would an actual immigration plan help? It certainly would, but we have to think about immigration differently than we have in the past. In past years, we could take people who were eager to work but didn't have skills and didn't have training and didn't have language abilities, and we could be patient and kind of wait for them to develop those skills. Honestly, we mostly counted on the next generation. But now we have barely any jobs for the low-skilled, low-trained people we already have. So what we need are highly skilled immigrants. We need people who already know how to work in manufacturing, who already know how to work in construction. They're out there, but everybody else in the world wants them too. And every other country is aggressively trying to recruit. One of the interesting recent developments, kind of tragically, are all the people who are fleeing Ukraine. A lot of trained people who originally thought that they would have to flee for a little while and then come back home now there's no home to come back to, and they are basically looking to start lives over again somewhere else. The competition for that group is ferocious. You've gotten a lot of European countries are laying out the red carpet for the Ukrainians who have been trained and skilled and looking for work. You're also getting very aggressive campaigns out of Canada, large Ukrainian population there already. So in order for us to compete and get that kind of immigrant, we have to be a lot more welcoming, not just officially, but just in terms of 
companies making the adjustments, trying to figure out how to help people resettle and et cetera. So unfortunately, there's no real solution to the labor shortage in the immediate future. I mean, we're talking some pretty serious considerations. The entire boomer generation will have retired by 2030. That's 73 million people coming out of the workforce. We've not planned for it, and we've not been prepared for it, and we're finding that it's going to be really hard to replace that 73 million strong workforce. I suppose we can change the child labor laws. I mean, all the tech experts now are under 10 anyway, but that's not a realistic alternative. We could change retirement age to 85 instead of 65, but that's going to face some resistance. So it's going to be a continued march towards automation, technology, robotics to replace people, and then trying to figure out ways to be appealing to the workforce that we have at our disposal. So with that, I'm going to quit, and hopefully I'll be back on track this week. We have a webinar coming up later this week on Wednesday, so tune in for that, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks.